podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. On today's show, we have Whitney Hansen. She's a personal finance coach and entrepreneur, as well as the founder of themoneynerds.com and the Money Nerds podcast. She teaches overwhelmed millennials how to pay off debt and be financially independent by giving them the tools to have more fun with money and sprinkling in a little silliness. Some of her accomplishments include paying off $30,000 debt in 10 months, buying her first home at 19, and paying only $472 for her master's degree. Whitney, welcome to the show. You guys, I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We are absolutely pumped to have you. You've got this great brand with the Money Nerds. Been listening to your podcast. It's very cool. I want to save some time at the end to talk about that. This episode is about a completely new business idea that you are bringing to our listeners here. So let's get started. Tell us about a problem you're seeing in the world today. Oh, it's so hard to pick only one problem, right? There's so many. I think as an entrepreneur, your mind is always in a million different directions of all the things. So this was hard for me to narrow down one, you guys. I'm going to be real honest. But the problem that I'm seeing today is that there are so many different social media platforms out there. And there's a lot of different styles and how you post on each platform should be kind of native to that own platform for social media. But the problem that I'm seeing is that with all of the confusion of which post should you post on which platforms, there's this additional pressure to take one piece of content and try to make it fit for all these different platforms. And this is a problem that I personally experienced in my own life, which led me to this business idea of how do you take one amazing piece of content and break it down almost Gary Vee style into different platforms so that it fits and it makes you look like a total rock star as a business owner. Definitely sounds sellable. People have a lot of issues when they get overwhelmed by yeah, social exactly. media. Now there's TikTok. You're like, what is this TikTok stuff? Do I actually have to do this? And yeah, it's overwhelming for sure. This is something that Ethan and I have been talking about recently with promoting the podcast. I imagine that's part of the reason that this has surfaced for you. In order to do a good job of promoting it, exactly like you're saying, it takes a lot of time. Ethan and I have actually discussed not <laughs> spending the time to that <laughs> not promoted as heavily because it's just would we rather you know how are we going to spend our time so if we had something that you're describing i know for us it would save hours of time and a lot of frustration and we'd be able to grow the podcast a little bit quicker than than if we didn't totally i think that's the big issue we know it's important we know we should be promoting our work the tasks themselves are not super difficult. It's just the time that it takes to do it. And so there's a way to systematize it. I know there is, but that's, yeah, that's something I've been kind of pondering in my head lately. I got a couple of things right off the bat. I've had a business that I've tried to use social media to promote over the past like 10 years, say, right? And I've gotten to the point, I just kind of, ah, yeah, who cares about social media? I go back and forth. Like at first I was like, oh, and then the next thing and the Twitter and whatever, and then there was a period where I was like, oh, yeah, it must matter. You got to do it. And then I tried. And then it was like, oh, gosh. And then I tried to hire someone. And then, and then it, finally, I was like, oh, you know what? This may not even matter that much, right? I guess that's my objection. My objection is <laughs> I might be able to sell it, but doesn't even really matter. <laughs> I love that. To business owners. Like, who does it matter to? You know, that was one thing. The, the other one, which I think we can throw in there then, is maybe related. And it may be that certain businesses that don't have a certain budget, maybe it's not for them, right? Because part of my objection was, I feel like you have to charge something significant for this. I'd say maybe 50 to 100 bucks a month, especially if it's going to manage all your social media. Um, but at the same time, like, is it going to be worth it? Like we have a podcast, we're just getting started, right? Do we want to invest in that? Or would we rather invest in something else? So the way I would actually view this is even different than podcasters. So us podcasters, 
we have audio clips. Just to give you context, I actually pay a virtual assistant to listen to different audio clips and pick out like a couple little sections of like, oh, this sounded cool. This person sounds like a rock star here. Choose this. And then I can just hop into wave.co and then create my audiograms. So that part isn't too bad. The part that I think would really be successful with this business model is targeting coaches or targeting speakers. These are people that are constantly doing workshops and public events, and they're they're just teaching all the time. And they already have a lot of video footage of themselves teaching. But taking a 50-minute video footage of you leading a workshop is awesome until you have to piece it down and say, oh, I sound cool here. This is a good little clip. This would be helpful for people here. Now let's reformat this and make it perfect for TikTok. So it's all of that stuff, that messy middle that people don't enjoy doing. And while, yes, it's like, is this actually moving the needle? I think it does. I think if you pick out the right pieces, it builds up your brand really, really quickly for a very small price. And I think we've seen that with uh, Mel Robbins as a phenomenal example of that too. Her little clips are so good and they are so shareable. And we all know at the end of the day, people share stuff that they feel like makes them look cool. Honestly, it's I'm going to share stuff that I resonate with. It takes on a new identity for myself. And so I think for coaches and for speakers, huge opportunity because that takes so much time and they just want to get out there and talk to people, but they don't want to do that step of, I also have to promote my work. And so I think those are the people that I would think would really benefit from this service mostly. One of the things that's appealing to me about this as well is you can't really get by doing a mediocre job. If you try and do a mediocre job of posting on social media, it's just not going to go anywhere. So you really need to do a good job of pulling out the important content and presenting in a way that resonates with people. And when you have something like that, it's harder to replicate. It's harder to systematize. It's not going to be a commodity if you can do a good job of addressing this problem, it's it's going to be very defensible. So is this more of like a software solution, you know, where you fill in some blanks and, you know, make connect all your accounts, it splits it up? Is there any sort of consulting aspect of this where maybe you have someone who helps you put it all together? Such a good question. I view this as 100% consulting and service. So if I were to launch this business tomorrow, I would actually not do the posting on social media for them. That's the easy part. They can hire somebody for three to five bucks per hour overseas to do that piece. The part that you can't hire is the part where it's like, hey, Ethan, send me a clip of you teaching this workshop at whatever university where you you taught at. Send me that clip and I'm going to find 20 different pieces of content, create quotes for you, create video clips for you. I'm going to have all of that content ready to go for you as a service. And then you choose how you want to deal with it. If you want to put it on YouTube, awesome. If you want to put it on Instagram TV, cool. It's formatted for each of the different platforms. That's the piece that I don't think you could easily replicate. And I think would be the toughest part about this business model is I think in the beginning to be incredibly labor intensive. But I think once you get your templates and your format and you get your team built up, I think it could actually be super plug and play. But you have to do the tough works first. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. And I like that you've you added that to add a niche. Like another objection is like once you have one of these do it for everyone services or platforms, they come into the business. They don't know really what's going on. They start posting things that actually aren't good posts. They're just posting something. I like this. So, so it's like we really know how to market coaches on Instagram and you know all these different platforms. And so then you build your system. It's almost like a software. Maybe you even have an internal software, but it's not so much the client engaging with a software. Maybe it's like the representatives that you have. Yep. It could be very much that. I view it very similar to there's a company, I believe they're in Canada, And their whole premise is you send us all of your raw video footage, we'll make it look pretty, we'll edit it for you. So similar to that, where then they send you a Dropbox link folder with all of your different clips and now all of your edited beautiful footage, and they just do all that tough stuff for you. And then you choose how you want to post it. I think it would be similar to that, just a little bit more condensed for social media and for a little bit more brand recognition. I guess the objection that comes to mind for me is this sort of service is very labor intensive, as you're talking about, at least at the beginning. And if you are to outsource some aspects of it, then a lot of times the quality goes down. If you're getting not native English speakers who are doing the editing and pulling out the content, it may not be as good as a native English speaker. And even more so than that, even if you do have a native English speaker who is doing the edits, the person who is producing the content has maybe a better feel for what their audience is looking for. 
and knows what's most important to them and what to call out. Can you speak to how you would address that very challenging issue? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay. I've thought about this one quite a bit too. If that were the case, and I hear you, I do. I think a lot of times we think that business owners know the best way to communicate, and that's not always true, right? We think we do, but we also forget that as business owners, we're a little detached. We've been in the business for so long that we kind of forget what actually resonates with people. Whereas that new lens, like there's sometimes where people pinpoint things out of a video I created. I'm like, that's what you took away? Like, are you kidding? I didn't know that was what would resonate. It's some sometimes the most basic things. And I think the more down that line, especially as coaches and speakers, and that's who we're targeting, the more that they forget those basic things are actually important. So I think that new set of eyes would be really beneficial for them. And then in addition to that, um, the other objection that you, you mentioned is getting to know like what does their audience respond to. I think that's really important on your onboarding process. So as you onboard new clients, because this is a service, part of that would say, you know, what is important to your business model? What's your mission? What are you hoping to accomplish? Why do you want to reach more customers? What's the point? Why is education a big deal for you? So getting very clear on what are their core values as a business owner, you can start to communicate that through the videos and stuff that you create too, or that you're pulling from their content. So if you know what's important to them, I can say, hey, Joe, in whatever city that's doing some of my outsourcing work that I'm delegating to, this is Whitney Hansen's core values. These are the things that she thinks is super, super important. If you find some clips in there that mention these things, definitely make sure you create a little piece of content from that. So I think you can communicate that through the onboarding process and make it a little bit more streamlined so it's not just so pie in the sky. Whitney said something that might have sounded cool but has nothing to do with her business. I think you could be a little bit more streamlined with the onboarding process. I think I would be really intrigued as well if somebody doing this kind of role actually came to me and said, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. We're going to meet with you you know, once a week, once a month, we'll do a meeting. But I'm going to actually talk to some of your customers. I'm going to engage with your clients directly and find out what they think is important. I would be intrigued because that would give me a little bit of a signal. You know, Like you said, I don't know how to communicate. I could tell them what I think my values that my customers care about, whatever. But you know, the customers may care about different values, right? And Sometimes that's a problem with business owners. They, they care about something that doesn't matter to the customers and then everything gets lost in translation. I think that would be really impressive. I don't know if you could pull it off as far as you know managing and paying people sufficiently to do that. But if they were engaging with the customers directly to find out information on how to cut the content and deliver it. That's such a good point. And that's easily something you could do as an add-on service as well as I'm going to take your 50-minute video footage, clip it down to 20 different pieces of content you can use on all social media platforms. And hey, for an additional three or $400, I'm willing to do some customer interviews on your behalf and edit those down too. So then your customers are talking about how great your services are, your coaching is. You could easily break it down that way too and do it as an upsell. Now that you started bringing the finances into it, what do you expect that someone could charge for a service like this? I think it's such an interesting model because I would not target people that are brand new, that do not have a budget whatsoever. I would target people that are probably between $100,000 of revenue up to about $500,000. I've found most coaches after $500,000, they tend to have somebody that's like a content creator on staff. That tends to be the case. But that little middle ground, a lot of those coaches and speakers are still doing the work themselves or they're not doing it. So how much would I charge for this? I would probably charge a starting rate of $500. That would be two 50-minute video clips that I would then piece down into a minimum of 20 pieces of content each. So they're going to get 40 pieces of content. These are quote images. These are little video clips. These are Instagram TV. These are TikTok stories, like all of these different things it would be in that format. So a minimum of 20 different clips per video, two videos, 500 bucks per month. And you expect that all the clients are going to have this 50-minute video that, or did you say one 50-minute video or multiple? I would do two at that 500 price point just to get some experience and get some uh, my own brand built up. If you're targeting coaches and speakers, for sure, that'll have at least two different 50-minute video clips. If you're targeting other areas, then maybe not. <laughs> and so you were saying... On a monthly basis, they would give you two a month, two 15-minute video clips a month, and then you would cut them down, produce content. And also, just to make it clear, make the posts for them, like just manage that they get up there. 
Is that true? That part, I don't know if I would do. Okay. No, because a lot of times they have virtual assistants that frankly would be a lot cheaper than I am to be able to schedule that content out there. So I don't think I would do that. Not in the beginning. Okay. It's less of a managing where to post stuff per se. And it's more of a, let's get this stuff together that you can post to make sure it's good. And then it can be posted. Exactly. Here's the best style for Instagram stories that you can just post. Here's the best for like a newsfeed post. Here's an Instagram TV version. Here's your TikTok version to see if that goes anywhere. We don't know, maybe. And then here's also your YouTube video. So you can clip all of that down into some really impressive footage that makes the speaker or the coach look amazing. So I think that's kind of what my goal would be with that business. And I will say for context here, I have definitely never heard of TikTok. (laughs) Oh, you need to. You need to. It used to be Musical.ly. Musical.ly. Never heard of that either. Yeah. I've got my eye very closely on this platform right now. Interesting. It's kind of a huge up and coming one. Okay. Good to know. I really like this idea for, here's a specific entry point, at least for uh, someone who is a fan of a coach. They know that that coach is doing relatively well. You're already consuming their content. This is a way that if you wanted to work with them in some capacity, demonstrate your capability, it's almost like you can earn a mentoring relationship with someone to offer this sort of service. I know that's jumping ahead a little bit, but that's no, spot yeah, on. that's something that could be really exciting because that's you add value to someone, do a, a small service. A person that comes to mind, he's well beyond this in terms of revenue, but Seth Godin quipped that he only hires people that have worked with him before. And, oh, interesting. Yeah. And the way to do that is something like this, right? You add value to someone yeah. and, and demonstrate that you're competent. You show up on time. You know, you do the task on time, you're on budget, you do a great job of it. And then before you know it, you're working with someone who's a pretty big name. And people like that, they know other people who are in this space. So you do a great job. You can get references and referrals for more business. You're spot on. I watch a lot of the Instagram TVs. I'm constantly just observing what are people doing with social media for business in general. And the videos that are standing out are by a lot of big name influencers. Again, the Gary V's, the Marie Forleo's, Mel Robbins. It's like you're seeing these really amazing, even Jasmine Starr, she's a rock star to watch too. But you're seeing these different video clips and you're like, oh, I cannot do that. Like I can barely do one little 30 second wave video promoting my podcast per week. This is killing me already. But I know I need to be seen by more people and have those relatable, shareable kinds of clips. I just don't have the time to do it. And I don't have the budget. That's where this service comes in. You don't have to have a full-time person. You could start very, very small and hire that out. So I think it's a huge selling point that a lot of content creators specifically in those niches would really resonate with. One of the things that we ran into in creating social media content, a lot of the stuff that you put out there isn't going to resonate. And even if you do hire someone to do this, you can't guarantee that every piece of content is going to go viral. It's just, that's not going to happen. And it may be that none of the content that you pull out and you do a great job of goes viral and, and gets you that big return on investment for the 500 bucks a month that you're spending. How do you think about that? I love that question. So there's two different approaches. You see this a lot in blogging. There's the approach of the shotgun approach where you're just going to put a bunch of content out there and see what sticks and what resonates because you don't know it's a numbers game. That's one philosophy. The other philosophy is I'm going to put out one epic article per month maybe per week, and it's going to be the best ever. All of my time and energy is going to go into that one. I actually tend to take more of that shotgun approach because that's the thing is I've seen even in my own content, the stuff that I'm like, this is garbage. I don't think it's great. No one's going to resonate with this. That is the stuff, you guys, that sometimes takes off way more than I expected, way, way more than I expected. My argument to that would be that is true, but some content is better than no content. And how do you know if it's actually somebody's engaging with that? You don't necessarily know. They may not directly tell you, but they're watching you. And your dream clients are constantly watching all of the content that you put out there. So just because it's not you know, a million views within a month doesn't necessarily mean that it's not resonating with somebody. And so that would be my message to them too, is it's death by a thousand cuts. Almost you have to do all of those little things. And that could shorten your cycle for somebody hiring you as a speaker or somebody hiring you as a coach. If they see a lot of different content and they sh- see that you're passionate and you care about this stuff, I think that will really help them tremendously. But you're not necessarily going to see the numbers. You just can't be so obsessed with the vanity metrics. Are you thinking that you would target coaches and clients who already believe that? 
or would you be trying to convince people that that's the case? Ooh, what a good question. I would be targeting people that already believe that, but aren't currently doing it well. To be very fair, if you go scroll through my Instagram, you'll see, oh, Whitney was trying really hard here. Okay, she was doing really good. She was on a roll here. And then all of a sudden, what happened? She kind of dropped off. I am not alone on that. There's a lot of people like me out there that get on a really good streak and then all of a sudden drop the ball. So those are the people that I'd be targeting. I would be looking for the ones that are like, oh, okay, they were doing pretty good. Oh, something happened here. Those are the people I'd be reaching out to and just say, hey, I really loved your content. I loved when you did this video clip. It was super impactful for me. And I would never lie about that. I would only give them honest feedback on the ones that I truly, really appreciated. And then mention, I am starting a new service that I think you might be interested in. Fill me out. Let me know. Do you, Is this something that would be helpful for you? Here's kind of the idea of it. I know for my own business, I've struggled a lot. And I'm just trying to see, trying to validate this idea to see if any other business owners experience the same pain point. I would literally send them that email. I'd start with a direct message, love your stuff so that they recognize my name. And then I would go into the email and give them some more information. So I would target people that are doing okay, but then dropping the ball midway through. Those are the coaches and speakers I'd be reaching out to. I don't like to convince people of stuff. I think that's way too hard. So sort of on the topic of convincing, right? You convince somebody to get started. How do you make sure that this is something that continues to support them, right? It's three months down the line. How do they know that what you're doing is effective and that they want to keep doing it? I think at that point, you can start to just look at the engagement rate. That's always one of the easiest things to track. I say easiest. You have to do a little bit of data digging, but it's not too bad. So for social media, I'd see if the engagement rate is higher, I would have them legitimately track their their clients. Did you see an uptick in clients? Did you get more applications for your coaching programs? Did you see some additional course sales? I would say that in part of that process too, for tracking that stuff, I would encourage them to actually like legitimately ask people, hey, where'd you come from? Where'd you hear about me? And if it's social media, yeah, it could be this piece of content could have been one they created five years ago. It's more than anything, the marketing strategy of it takes about seven times before people want to do business with you. And so if it's social media, you can track that. And so I think that's how I would look at it. If like, is this actually worth your time? And if it's not for them, that's okay too. Like that happens, it's business turnover happens. But I would say for most people, when they start to see the value of the content and they're getting 40 pieces of content, that's literally one piece of content per day that you can post. That's an entire month's worth of content from two videos that make you look amazing and are truly you saying cool things. People would love that. And so I think that would be the sell is that you can do this on your own. It's just going to take you 15, 20 hours a week if you do it on your own, or it's going to cost you way more to outsource this to, to different people. And so I think that's that's totally fine. You'll lose some, but I think most people would stick around if they find the value in it from engagement rates and increased sales. It reminds me of something I read recently from Tommy Griffith. He does a course on SEO. He ran SEO for Airbnb for years, but now he's off living in Bali and he's got his own business books and click-minded. He talks about the split between creating content and marketing it. And he said you should be doing about 25% of your time should be spent on creating content and 75% on marketing what you have, distributing it. And that's not to say that create crappy content by any means. You have to create great content that people are going to want to consume. But that number kind of caught me flat. For (laughs) sure. I'm not doing it. We're not doing anything close to that. I think that's most people too. And I, I can't even tell you how many videos, truly great workshop style videos that I've led that are sitting in my little hard drive and I haven't done anything with because of time. Well, I I say time, it's an excuse, let's be real. But I justify it with saying I don't have enough time when really it's not my best time isn't spent on that. My best time is spent doing tons of other things, but not that piece. So I think a lot of coaches and a lot of speakers would really resonate with that too of, I just want to do my job. I want to get on stage. I want to rock it. I want to just help people. I want to work with them. I don't want to promote my own services or promote myself. I know it's important, but that's why we can hire people for this. So I, I, yeah, I hear you. And it's all about promotion. Can you promote the heck out of your content? That's where you find the best results for sure. Let's get into some more of the actions that a listener can take to get this idea going. 
I love the first one that you shared with us. Very clear you've thought about this a lot because that was such a great insight that you would find people who, you didn't use this word, but are streaky with their social media posting because <laughs> that's a clear indicator that they have cared about it enough at times to do it, maybe don't have the time to continue. What else can people do in order to get this idea off the ground? I think this is actually so, so much easier. To give you guys some context too, I'm a big believer in the lean startup methodology. That's what I've been trained with, business model canvases, minimum viable products, all of that stuff, being as scrappy as you possibly can be. So how I would approach this directly is I would very much view this as how do I make money without doing any work yet? any work at all. And I think this is just a good business strategy in general is to pre-sell any service that you have and see if there's demand. It's not enough to just say people are interested. They have to actually give you the money. (laughs) That's the true interest. And so I would legitimately send some targeted ads to, I would target Gary Vee because this is literally his content strategy. This is basically what he does. He breaks it down. He teaches people that. So I would target Gary Vee. I would target probably Mel Robbins and Jasmine Starr. I would do Facebook ads to each of those different people. And I would generate a interest list where then I would collect all of their email. And I would say, Hey, you know, if you're interested in this service, jot down your email and somebody from my team will be in touch with you. I'm that team. I would then hop on the email, get a phone number from them. And I would literally do sales calls all freaking day long and pre-sell the heck out of this. And I think that would give you enough validation to see if it's actually worth it. It would probably cost you maybe a hundred bucks, at least in the beginning to get this idea validated to see, can I make money? Do people care? And more importantly, what are their objections? Because that's what you're going to learn when you get on the phone call with people is what are their concerns? What are their pain points? What are they actually really excited about? What part of that sales pitch really made them light up and say, oh my God, I could totally see all the potential possibilities here, here, and here. That's the stuff. And I'd be taking notes the whole time. And I would just be refining my sales pitch and making money during that whole process. And to be clear, you're saying you would pitch like these three people as examples. Like actually you pitch Gary Vee? Um, no, I wish. That'd could. be cool though. If I could, that'd be great. Okay. He's got yeah, such I'm a good to get, team. I'm trying to get it figured out exactly who's getting the ad. Yeah, no doubt. It's people that are fans of Gary Vaynerchuk. Mel Robbins. So I would do Facebook and Instagram ads targeted to fans of those people because those people are already familiar with that strategy. They're pretty much all business owners too. So they're much more likely to understand the value. So it'd be less of a tough sell versus just targeting International Coach Federation or something of the sort. So it'd be a little bit more targeted for people that actually care about the service. Cool. The reason I asked the question too is is sometimes people have the non-productive strategy of starting too small. And so sometimes it's very good to try to access the top as early as you can in the process. But I agree, trying to get them on the phone through a Facebook ad might not be fruitful. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I, li- I like the strategy. So it's basically people who are fans of them, they also might be doing some sort of coaching and they understand the content strategy and they basically want to be a micro- Gary Vee or Mel Robbins. Completely. Or like 100%. So I'd say that's the bigger scale of how I would get people in the door. And then I would be hustling on the side, direct messaging every single coach, looking for those people that are, as you said, not being, would you say, sketchy, spotty? Streaky. Streaky. Ah. So there's those <laughs> streaky people out there. I'd be going after them too on the side. So I think if you were to do that for one solid week, I would be seriously shocked if you didn't have at least 15 to 20 people that were truly interested if you were to really do that. And then I like, Ethan, you kind of alluded to a really interesting point too, is it depends on your bigger picture goal. If you want to do this as your business and this is truly your focus, then cool. But if you're doing it as a way to leverage somebody else's audience or to work with somebody, to get mentored by somebody, that's the other strategy you could use too, is to use this as the excuse to help them, to bring them value so that you can actually get access to them. So I guess it's kind of a two different strategy depending on what you're trying to do. Would you, you would charge in both situations? Or are there some people you would approach and say, hey, I just, I like you, you know, I want a little bit of access. I would do this for free. Like If you're doing it for mentoring, I would totally do it for free. Because that value in theory is going to be way, way, way more than 500 bucks per month. If I had access to a Tony Robbins or a Marie Forleo, I'll forget that 500 if I can get coached and mentored by them. That would be super valuable. But if I'm doing this as a business, I don't believe in working for free. I really don't. Okay. Well, you answered the question I was going to ask, which is sometimes people (laughs) will pitch a service like this where they'll give you a trial run of it, right? Send me one video, I'll send you 20 clips from it that you can use. 
that way it's low risk to you. I demonstrate my competence. You would steer away from that, it sounds like. I usually would. If you were to ask me three, four years ago, I probably would have said, yes, do it for free. But what I have found is a lot of people, when you do work for free, for one thing, people don't tend to value it as much. It's just like, okay, cool. Thanks for doing that. They don't value it as much. And then the second piece is when there's no skin in the game, it's just more like, oh, cool. Thank you for that really awesome free stuff. Um, it would only be worth maybe $100 for me. I think people forget how valuable things are when you do things for free all the time. Now, I'm lucky in the sense that if I really, truly chose to take this business forward, I can use me as a case study. That's pretty easy. So it's easy for me to say, yeah, don't do it for free when I have the opportunity to almost do my own case study here. But I don't think I would do it for free. I think your time is worth something, even if it is a brand new service. I mean, look at all the restaurants that come open too. They don't give out free food all the time. They might for one day just to get people in the doors. It's not a good business model, I think, for your self-worth specifically. If you do a lot of work for free, I think it devalues you and makes you really uncomfortable charging what it is worth because you've already done it for free. So you start to diminish the value of that. So that's the one thing I would say I see a lot of business owners do. And it does, it kind of hurts them in the long run, because they feel like it's not worth anything. One thing that I would add to this is, you know, just my opinion on this is, if you are someone who already knows how to produce content like this, and do a good job of it, then absolutely start by charging. But if you're someone who needs to develop the skill to do it, I would be more open to doing it for free Period. in order to get that experience. And once you have that experience and you can show, hey, this is something that I've created and you can show that to people who you're asking to pay you money, they're much more likely to pay you for your services. That is such a good point. Yeah. You don't need to do it as much if you actually know what you're doing because you've internalized that confidence around it. And people can sense that. It's like, I actually know how to do this. I don't need, I don't even need to show you my work because I can do this and it's just going to come across. Yep. Completely. I, I think that's a very, very good point. And to be fair, I think this whole business model for it to work well, and I say well, meaning you start making money off the get-go, you probably would already need to have some chops in this. You've got to know some basics of video editing and or you have to know somebody that you could outsource that to. Ideally, you would already have that piece in place. And when you're talking about the skill level for someone who already has that in place, I'm picturing someone who can get by maybe watching a couple YouTube videos or a couple hours of YouTube videos. You're not trying to be Martin Scorsese here with your uh, <laughs> with your editing. No, God, no. I, th I mean, that'd be cool. But if that's the case, you're probably doing all right. Like, I think you've got other bigger freelance opportunities there. Yeah, definitely. It would be somebody that's willing to take some Udemy classes, maybe go through Skillshare courses, watch some YouTube videos, get the basics of it down. And I think you can practice with your own footage too. I mean, how many video footages do we all have on our phones of trips that we took or just like interesting things or somebody's birthday party? That's your case study, my friend. Just use your own existing content that you have and start to piece it together and see how it works. I think that's a really good place to start. The other brilliant thing that you shared that comes to mind that I want to talk about a little bit more is if you're targeting folks who are a fan of Gary V, you know the exact language to use. Totally. Use Gary V's language in your ads, right? So that works super well. Don't lump those three groups together. Keep it separate. And Gary V says you need to do X, Y, and Z. Exactly. I offer a service that does X, Y, and Z. The copy is, is super easy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that if you target the right people that already understand the service or the product offering, it makes it such an easy sell. And I think if you did, exactly as you said, hey, Gary Vee fans, you know he shared his seven-step content strategy of how we need to repurpose our content over and over again, but it's really time-consuming. Guess what? I offer a service that does this. Bam. Done. <laughs> Move on. I don't. I mean, I know I'm making it seem a lot more simple than it probably is, but that is how I would start testing it. I'll also add just for anybody that's thinking about getting started on this, maybe you don't have as much video editing experience. iMovie... If you've got a Mac computer, I mean, iMovie will do a lot of this for you. You're probably, your biggest obstacle will just be processing time, you know, making sure that the files are not too big and stuff like that. But other than that, cutting, pasting, exporting, you could do a lot of this stuff with what comes free with a Mac computer for sure. Very good point. Yeah, the software itself, it seems complicated. It's really, really not. And if you're doing this specific style of videos where maybe it's the square video with the text on the top and the bottom and a colored background, and then the video is kind of in the middle, and it's like the talking head style, 
that you don't even have to do any text on the screen. Like it can be super, super basic. And so I don't think this model has to be really complicated or overly tech savvy people. You just have to know the basics of can I cut and paste and copy and stuff. That's really the start of it. Yeah. And put a pin in this, the value that you're providing is being able to tell the story in a clear, cohesive way, right? And that's editing out the pieces that aren't as important and pulling out the pieces that really are going to resonate. That's the value. And then the mechanics of it, of actually doing the shuffling around of the content, that's not too difficult to learn. Also, and another part of the value, of course, is just that it is relatively simple to start using iMovie, but these people, that's not their zone of genius, right? I mean, they could do it, but it's a huge waste of time for them to do it. If you just want to spend a little time getting good at it, it'll be a huge weight off of their shoulders. It'll be saving a lot of time and energy trying to learn something that they actually, there won't be a exponential return on them learning that as opposed to developing some other process. The context in which you bring this idea is really interesting. We're thinking a lot about podcasting and how to promote our show, grow our listener base. The big names are getting more and more into podcasting. You'll see people, and it's hard to compete with someone who has this big established audience already, and they can just jump in. They have the budget to pay someone to do the edits, and they don't have to do a lot of the stuff that the smaller folks who are starting out need to do. So I see this as a way where you can pitch it as leveling the playing field with some of the bigger folks, right? Your content is great. The thing is that you just can't get out there because you don't have the resources to battle against these big name people. That is so smart, man. That is such a genius way to look at it. I think that is incredibly smart. The other business that I see that does a good job of this with the graphic design area is a company called Design Pickle. And what they do is they charge you a flat rate for unlimited graphic design. They've partnered up with some some people in the Philippines and they have a really awesome infrastructure over there where that's how they can outsource their labor so it's not as expensive on them but still pays them a fair wage. So it's a similar type of thing where they're saying, you know, all these Coca-Cola has a huge company and they've got a lot of money behind their names. It's hard to compete with them, but you can now through this software. And I think that's kind of what what you're saying too and I think that's really smart. Other thing that's really appealing about this idea is it's something that you can do on the side. If you want to get into entrepreneurship and have some people that you look up to, this is a great way to get started. You can supplement your income. You don't have to do it during nine to five hours and you can scale it depending on availability, right? If you've got a ton of time, maybe you take on four or five, six clients over the course of a month. But if you don't have a ton of time, maybe you... Only do one or two. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're spot on. You could easily do that. And if you don't have the time, but you want to keep scaling, <laughs> then what I would probably do, the per- first person I'd hire is somebody that has the technical chops. If you're more of the salesperson, then you go be the salesperson. And I would hire somebody with that technical side, but I would go to local colleges and that's where I'd find my talent. So they speak English. They are desperate to learn some new skills and you can still pay them a decent but lower wage for that learning experience too. So that's who I would at least use for my pool of who do I hire next. Yeah. And thinking through how I would do it, if it, I'm building off that idea, <laughs> if I were to uh, to use that idea, and main value I'm adding is selecting content to promote, right? You could listen to the video at 2x speed and then write down the timestamps hey, this is the part that I want you to call out. And you go through that and you write it all down and you send it off to someone and they actually do that editing for you. So that could be an intermediate step for scaling. That's a good idea. The other piece you could do is uh, directly through Temi or Rev.com. Temi's same company as Rev. They're owned by the same company. They're just a little bit cheaper. Um, So you could also have that video completely transcribed through there. And then you just do that. It's happening in the back end. You just easily go through and sort and highlight a couple little key sections of, oh, this was kind of interesting. I should dive in here. So even if you don't listen to it at 2x, you could just do the transcript piece too. The transcript piece would be good for outsourcing for like stagnant images where it's not video. You could just easily, oh, right here, that's a cool quote. I'm going to just turn this into a cute little Instagram image and have them post it. So I think that's the other way you could do it too. So I don't think it has to be super time intensive. Of course, it will be in the beginning while you get your system down and you get your templates all set up. That part does take some time, but you could easily, easily do this two clients per month, a thousand bucks per month on the side of your full-time job and be making an awesome little side hustle. So I think it could really work. 
And you get the benefit of, of the uh, mentorship and coaching from the people that you already look up to. It'd be amazing. That is something I've seen firsthand. Somebody who, you know, people working with coaches to do various things, whether it be a marketing or social or whatever. And then the, the thing about a coach is they can't help a coach. <laughs> you know, be, People have, who, who do these professions that they're passionate about, you just hang around them. They're going to sort of like be leaking value, you know, whether they like it or not. And so a lot of people don't understand that either, that you can get value by just being around someone and they will give it to you because they enjoy feeling useful and enjoy seeing your progress and implementation and things like that. I was going to say, I think we have basic action steps in place here, which is probably one of the, the main criteria we're looking for. You know, you want to maybe put up some ads, be looking at people's profiles and seeing what kind of patterns that are there to indicate that they might need this help. You want to get them on the phone, pitch them, start with two videos, $500, cut them up into clips and so on and so forth. I wanted to change this topic just really quickly, just because I heard you talking about like outsourcing and thinking about business. And I'm curious if you have anything, you might not have anything you want to share or, that, or worth sharing, but do you have anything, almost examples from your own business processes or how you've thought about building your own business where you've implemented kind of, here's how I started and here's how I kind of grew and implemented this and that to, to make it more of a business. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So I'd say with the podcast specifically, the first thing that comes to mind was I did my own editing for two years. Two years, the podcast wasn't making any money, had to grind it out and make it happen myself. So that was not fun, but it, it was necessary. The cool thing is when you do that piece, you know, you start to learn, this is how long stuff takes. This is the tough parts. This is where people are probably going to struggle. And so when you're ready to outsource that, you have your systems down. So I think even before you're ready to outsource, one of the most valuable things is to write down every single step, even when you're the one doing it, because when you're finished and when you're ready to outsource it, you're start, you're finally at the point where maybe you're making a little bit of money, you can hire someone, you have that system, that policies and procedures almost. And you say, hey, follow this checklist. This is how I find it works really, really well. I also, am, I try really hard to do screen grabs. So anytime I'm doing some type of a task, whether it's uploading, uploading a podcast or doing some basic editing or my wave audiograms, I'll just turn on my screen recorder and just record it as I'm going through the process. If I remember, I'll be like, oh yeah, I should just record this. And so that that's the next phase too, is then you can outsource that too. Here's a screen clipping. This is exactly how I do it. Here's how you can do it too. And so I'd say that's like one of the biggest pieces for most business owners is think through that process first. And then when you do outsource it, look for talent. I'm a big fan of talent inside the States. I just, I find that the barrier to entry, it's less explaining, it's less, depending on what task it is, I just find it to be a little bit easier. And so I, I do, I look for my talent at universities. I'll go there and I'll find students that are really awesome. My podcast editor has been working with me for a year and a half. He was an intern from Boise State. He's a music composer for fun. He's phenomenal. And so I just said, hey, let's work together. Are you interested in podcast editing? He's like, sure, I think I can do that. And it's been a bit of a learning curve, but he's done a great job. And so I think you can find college students that are very, very skilled that need that experience so they can build their resume and help your business. And so that's one of the examples that I've actually personally used this style with in my own business. I would second that. Yeah. I don't have anything like that in my business now, but probably one of my best people that I had work for me, he was a college student. He did my bookkeeping. The price was amazing. He was so, he paid so much attention to detail. I mean, I lost him after a couple of years because he wanted to <laughs> work for one of the big four accounting firms, of course. And he was ambitious and great. And so that's what he did. He went on. But there's, you know, there's some people who just really care who are students and you may not keep them forever, but you can document the processes as they're doing it and bring on someone else that they can pass the baton very easily. They'll enjoy doing it, teaching someone else how to do it. Um, so that's, that's really useful. W one other question, just getting a little bit more detail on that stuff. How do you keep track of it? Do you have a system to keep track of the things that you do? Like maybe you do a screenshot. Is it kept well track of in like a folder screenshots for, for potential? Uh, I'm just curious. I sure wish, man. Um, <laughs> to be very honest, no, it's not. I do have a folder that's recordings or trainings is kind of what I call it. It's my trainings folder. 
And if I do, I'll just drop it into that. But there's literally no organization beyond that other than it's in this one folder. And then hopefully I name it correctly so I can easily find it. But no, I, I should be better about that, but I'm not. Yeah, I, it's difficult. I tried to do that stuff too, but and it's very useful. Just digging a little bit deeper. <laughs> what do you got, Chris? Anything else uh, on the business idea? I mean, I think we fleshed it out quite a bit. It seems like a value. Yeah, I think we've got it pretty much nailed down. Whitney, you've done a great job of, of sharing this idea and, and specific action steps. I think one thing that comes to mind for me is a lot of times people may not appreciate the pain points that business owners have when they're picturing something like this. You think about social media, right? It's not everyone uses social media. It's not hard to use social media, but you can't picture that for a business owner, it's actually really painful to, to do that on a regular basis because it's not the highest priority use of their time. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind, I, I think about uh, Charlie Hone. If you guys have heard of him, he was uh, Tim Ferriss's right-hand man for a long time. And the way that he got started is he uh, did something very similar to what you're describing. He uh, reached out to Tim Ferriss and said, I'll do this task for you. I forget exactly what it was, but he uh, he started out and he demonstrated competence and Tim just kept giving him more and more responsibility. When uh, I think it was the four-hour chef when that came out, uh, Charlie was in charge of of putting together the entire event that Tim Ferriss did. It's this super secret event that uh, most people don't know about. Tim called it, I think, opening the kimono or something like that, where it's, it's very high end. And Charlie was responsible for pulling all that together. And he didn't start by pitching Tim Ferriss to manage his, his live event like that, right? And he didn't start getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by Tim Ferriss to, to do this, but he just demonstrated competence and kept going. Yeah. Now uh, he had a book, I think it's called play where <laughs> that that's, I don't want to go down this entire tangent. He uh, bit off a little bit more than he could chew ultimately. <laughs> so, yeah. That can be a cautionary tale as well, but still got a great relationship with Tim Ferriss. He, uh, I think he worked with Ramit Sethi and maybe even Seth Godin at some point. So it's a demonstrated path for working with people that you admire and uh, business owners have a hard time finding competence. If you can make their lives easier and save them some time, you're going to be worth paying. I agree. I'm going to go a little bit meta right now on, on everything, because I think this brings up an interesting point. What we're talking about as it being, you know, something you might potentially do for free, you know, you might get something back. And then in my head, I'm kind of like pondering on that. Well, you know, is that a good idea for our podcast? Nothing to be critical of, of Whitney, but it's a business as well, if you don't want to do it for free. But it's like, if we're presenting an idea like this as a business, how is it a business? How isn't it a business? And again, just to, to go meta on it, and just to give this perspective, which we don't often think about is that a business and an entrepreneur is about managing value, you know, and creating value, creating value for yourself, creating value for others, finding value where nobody saw value and things like this. And so it's definitely useful to just go aside from the idea of a business in general and understand that, like, if you're doing something like this, you can consider it a business, even if there's no money changing hands. It's just a matter of what kind of value are different people getting out of it? You know, is there value there that wasn't there when everything started? So this person has this content it's being created. They're getting more clients. Those clients are getting value because they found that person to work with. And what kind of value are you getting out of it? And as long as you're getting something that feels to you like more or equal to what you're putting in, it doesn't mean that the other person has to be getting less, right? It just means that you're getting something valuable from them that may be easy for them to give. They're coaching, like I said, they're just, it's like water. They're just like giving you good advice over and over again. And so as long as you're careful and understanding of the way that values are generated and creative, and you're, you're trying to produce things out of nothing and more from what you put in, then you do in a sense have a business, even if money isn't changing hands. That is very meta. This is a long con from you, Ethan. You started out saying you didn't know what money was. <laughs> what is this barter system? system. <laughs> now here we are. Did I, say that? Yeah. did I say that on the recorded part of the podcast? I don't think I did. I think it was in our pre, that was in our pre-conversation. <laughs> so good. 
Yeah, before, I, know, I was before like, wow, got... that really came back around. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even realize. Yeah, you were just holding that tight, realize. waiting for it. <laughs> Whitney, we're uh, we're coming up on time here. Thank you so much for the the conversation. This has been very enlightening. Listeners, if you like this idea, I think this is a very accessible business idea for someone who is just looking to get started. Winnie's pointing on herself. So that could be someone that you could... I need, I need this person <laughs> in my life. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so take action. Follow the steps that Winnie has shared with you guys. Email us at update at runwithit.fm to let us know what you have done. And if you, you know, do a good job, take some action, then you can earn a free mentoring session with Whitney and potentially get a uh, business partnership going on this. Whitney, anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, I think the the people that get the best results are those that take immediate action. So don't allow yourself that time to question if it's a good idea for you or not. Just go take action and let that momentum build up. That's how all great things get off the ground. And I think anybody can do this business idea if you're willing to do a little bit of hustle. So I'm cheering for all of you guys. I think it's really an awesome idea and I hope somebody runs with it. Cool. And just take a minute and tell us again what your projects are and you want people to know about about that stuff. If you want them to reach out to you in any specific way, go for it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. If anybody is obviously interested in podcasts, if you're listening to this, I would hope you are. (laughs) Then the best place to kind of come hang out with me is at the Money Nerds podcast. It's available on all podcast players. Uh, Or you can even search for Five Tip Friday on Alexa. I'm on there too. Don't know how that's going yet to be determined, but also on there if you're interested in that too. That's the best place to hang out with me. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Whitney. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with you and seeing what our listeners come up with. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you having me. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.